So this week we'll talk about online courses. Let's start off by talking about why they matter. Online courses can help students land their first job as a software developer, get a raise, start their own business, and a lot more. They also help creators move from trading time for money to actually scaling their impact and their income. Let's talk about the problem that online courses solve where there's a gap between where you are and where you want to be. Courses bridge this gap where you can find your own way through trial and error or you can learn from someone who's done this before. The first prediction is that more platforms will sponsor influential educators where you have Notion where they sponsor Ali Abdal a popular YouTuber. You also have Pat Flynn where he's done a webinar for copy.ai and compensation can also be non-monetary where you have Notion where they acknowledged Marie as a Notion certified consultant and there are even these indirect models where Nat Eliasson made a popular course on Rome and then got the opportunity to invest. Another prediction is that we'll see more edutainers, where some of the most famous teachers like Richard Feynman, Carl Sagan, Neil deGrasse Tyson, they understand the power of storytelling. The problem is that a lot of instructors and professors, they have these monopolies at their institutions by teaching these required courses. So they have a captive audience, even though they may not be the best teachers. And YouTube and these other platforms are just lowering these barriers so the best can rise to the top. We're even seeing this on social platforms like TikTok with tutorials and infographics on Instagram and the form factor and the length doesn't matter if you can trigger a paradigm shift the faster the better. Another prediction is that we'll see more interactive adaptive platforms like Duolingo where they're scaling personalized learning and these experiences are gamified and there may even be social and we tend to see these with settled form factors like languages, math, physics, where the content may not be changing that much and the teams can go really hard on instructional design and make that a great experience. Another prediction is that upskilling will become more common where jobs are emerging that didn't exist 10 years ago. Institutions couldn't even prepare students for the types of challenges and jobs that they have to do now. And this is pretty table stakes for developers and marketers who are constantly tasked with learning new tools and new strategies. Another prediction is that we'll see more of these indirectly monetized models like Nana Academy, where they train appliance technicians for free and they have a marketplace on the back end and they're also building a software component out to also monetize there. Mackenzie Child and I, a few months ago, we talked about the YouTubers that are doing free tutorials. You can imagine if someone's using a certain set of icons in these tutorials, perhaps they're teaching someone how to do this for free and the students can use their own or they can purchase that from the instructor. There's a certain reciprocity that's taking place this is like you're teaching a person how to fish and then actually selling them fishing equipment. There's also the model of ISAs, which I tend to be bullish on these as long as the ISAs aren't being sold off and you don't get the alignment that's being promised by these models. Another prediction is that we'll see more of these accountability as a service startups where you have future where they're in the fitness space and you get your own fitness coach. You can ask questions that are specific to your situation, but you're also getting this accountability. The same goes for language platforms like Preply, where you can ask about specific struggles that you have. And this is like the last mile of education and accountability here that you may not get in the self-paced course. Another prediction is that we'll see more high quality free education where you have great mission-driven companies like Khan Academy and Free Code Camp. Let's move on to opportunities. 
The first opportunity is to do the first version live. And this is to build a fast feedback loop where Miles had a great way of thinking about this, where he talked about number one, getting a result for yourself and then getting a result for someone else and then a small group and then everyone else. And what's implicit in this is that you're building your curriculum out of questions and out of real world struggles. So you know that the material resonates with an audience because you've taught it live or you've built some type of feedback loop instead of going into a cave building up lessons and then releasing that onto the world. This is more so shaped around real struggles. You've seen where people get stuck. You've seen where the confusion is and the curriculum is more battle tested this way. And it doesn't necessarily have to be live. You can think of what Tyler from productize.services is doing where he has a coaching service with unlimited Loom videos where there's this asynchronous communication and now he's rolling out a course he understands based on mentee feedback, where people struggle with, what questions do they have. Perhaps he was explaining something before where people would typically get confused and he's worked out the kinks before he rolls his course out. And this is what I do with the report reviews where I'm throwing these ideas up and I'm looking at facial expressions and body language and where people tend to get confused. And this shapes what makes it into the report, what doesn't make it into the report and what actually gets reworked. Another opportunity is around pre-selling your course. And this is about reducing market risk. And you're also front loading the need to find out where do your people hang out. You're gonna have to figure this out anyway. You might as well figure it out up front. And you're also forced to describe the problem well enough to sell it. And this goes back to trusting wallets over words. Another opportunity is to build the course around an outcome. So you'll have a deliverable or a capstone project. And this is a forcing function to make sure that the course is actually actionable. And it's even better if the artifact is visible. And as people are showing it off, perhaps they end up marketing for your course and saying, hey, I learned this from John or Sarah or whoever. You can think about Launch MBA where it's a cohort-based course centered around this idea of 12 startups in 12 months. Another opportunity is to add a community to your course. So you can start to get some of the benefits of cohorts in terms of peer-to-peer -peer learning and accountability. And you can do this with more scale without as high marginal cost as you would run into with a cohort-based course. So it remains more financially accessible. And you have all-in-one platforms like Kajabi where they understand that communities and courses complement each other. So they bake both of these into one platform. Another opportunity is to version your course. And this is accepting that things are never done. So you're gonna version your course like software. Paula Pant does a great job at this where she's a few years into her course. She's run more than three cohorts and she still considers herself to be in beta. She's done more than a million dollars off of the course. And this is a great way to set expectations because she's going to exceed students' expectations because this thing has been battle tested even though that frame has been applied to it. This is also a way to address the spiky sales problem that digital products suffer from, but also online courses where sales tend to be unpredictable. And with online courses, a lot of the sales tend to be concentrated with the pre-launch and the launch, and then they just dip off from there. But by versioning the course, you give yourself an occasion to do a relaunch and announce new features and new elements and improvements in the course. Another opportunity is to build a value ladder. So by doing this, you're helping different people at different stages with different needs. And it's a great way to scale trust and diversify revenue. This is usually composed of a free offer like a blog, a cheap offer like a book or a template, and a slightly more expensive offer like a self-paced course. And then perhaps you have group coaching and then one-on-one -on -one coaching from there. And the idea is that the first sale will probably be the hardest, but once you've delivered on that promise, it's easier for someone to trust you with a higher ticket item. 
and tertiary sales become easier. Flavio is a developer and he does a great job at this where he has a free blog. He also sells books and courses and then he also has boot camps. Another opportunity is to stick to a niche. So you're compounding your competence by going deeper into this area. You can also cross sell because you're not going wide. You're selling to the same type of persona. You can help them go further along in their journey. So by cross selling, you have a higher average order value. You also have a lower CAC. Another opportunity is the index in the fragmented markets. I say it a lot, but this is yet another market that's not winner take most and you can run towards competition. You have your own style, you'll resonate with your own audience. And there's a reason that we have tons of successful SAT and React courses. And this is simply proof of demand that this is working out for other people. You could also offer certifications where this is a low lift way to add value and you're signaling competence and you're solving information problems by saying, hey, this person is certified and doing X or doing Y, assuming that you protect that credential and you keep quality and signal high. And as students bear this certificate, they're actually advertising for you each time they add that to their LinkedIn profile or their Twitter bio. Another opportunity is to launch a membership on top of your course. And I tend to see this when someone's teaching something that's frequently changing like Facebook ads or they're frequently releasing contents. And we tend to see this with instructor networks. It's also interesting to see solo instructors like programming with Mosh or Jimmy from Superpath, where as a solo instructor, Mosh has such a deep library that he can justify a subscription model. And Jimmy has wrapped Superpath up with the community and he justifies the membership model that way. This is yet another way around this spiky sales problem where you start to get recurring revenue. Another opportunity is to offer an affiliate program where with digital products, you have zero marginal costs and you're only paying when you make a sale. And when you don't make that sale, you're still capturing mindshare. Perhaps that person gets on your free email list and you can make a sale later on down the road. There's a whole report referral programs on this idea. There's another opportunity to consider other revenue streams going back to Jimmy from Superpath where they have a job board. They also have sponsorships. One of the key lessons where the first key lesson is to provide value for free. So you're building reciprocity, you're building trust, you're proving that you know what you're talking about and you're forming your top of funnel. So you're building this list for an eventual launch. And this is very similar to the story of how Egghead got launched. And this goes into the idea of audience first products. Another key lesson is that these are fragmented micro monopolies. So there can be many options and many winners in the same category. And since these are not commodities, these course creators have pricing power. Unlike SaaS, where you can reach feature parity, feature parity doesn't exist for a person or a personality. Each person is unique. So even as we talk about the superstar effect, where we say the best will win, the best will rise to the top, the best is subjective when we have to ask the best for who. Perhaps I want to learn JavaScript from a different person than you want to learn JavaScript from. Another key lesson is that the market is taking over from institutions where we can't expect colleges to keep up with the needs of companies. This is an information problem and capitalism is great at information problems where instead of throwing these to public institutions, we're going to throw it to millions of people and many will be right and many will be wrong and the market will decide and YouTube and Kindle and all of these other platforms lowering the barrier to entry. So we're getting a lot of noise, but we're also getting a lot more signal. And then there's the concept of upskilling, where even if colleges were great at this, they can't see the future. So if it's 10 years after graduation and I'm on the job, I'm working with tools and I need to develop strategies that didn't make sense at the point that I graduated. So there's this need for continuing education. 
and Salesforce and Google, they have a vested interest. They're starting to roll out these initiatives themselves. Another key lesson is to think about the trade-off of the type of course that you teach, where cohort-based courses, they tend to have opportunities for specific feedback and also accountability. And these things raise completion rates. Self-paced courses, they may have lower completion rates, but they tend to be more financially accessible and you can move at your own pace, be it slower or faster, and you're not in this classroom environment where everyone's kept at the same pace. And then there's also these adaptive interactive platforms where they're scaling personalization and you're moving as fast as you're able to retain the material. Another key lesson is around the importance of building your own distribution where you can use Podia where it's bring your own audience and you're going to pay a flat rate for the tool if you have your own audience. But if you don't, perhaps you go to Udemy, which is a marketplace, and they may take up to 75% of the revenue because they're providing you distribution. They're actually selling you customers or they're selling you an audience because you don't have your own. And someone like Justin Jackson can use Podia to sell his marketing course because he has an audience versus John that's teaching JavaScript, he may not have one. He can get customers from Udemy, but he's gonna pay dearly for that. And there's no right or wrong, it's just reality and understanding the situation that you're currently in and the game that you have to play. And if you can see this from far away, perhaps you can line yourself up to start building that audience and building that distribution now. Another key lesson is around platform risk. And people may think that we mean this in terms of just the tools that you use to host your course, but it's also about what you teach and how often is that material changing back to Facebook ads or Notion's UI. That can make your course stale just because they updated their UI or perhaps the algorithm changed and the strategy that you're teaching no longer works. Another key lesson to think about is around the higher perceived value of courses compared to books. And this is a cautionary tale in the fact that you may not get rewarded for simply working harder and the importance of choosing the game that you want to play. And it's about what are you optimizing for? Where if you're optimizing for authority, Perhaps books are still the right answer where they may edge courses in terms of authority, but it's clear that in terms of income, courses went out over books in that way. Or if you're optimizing for status, perhaps you take the same material and you wrap it up in a series of tweet storms. And of course, these things aren't mutually exclusive, but you can swim with the tide or against it as your choice. On to the haters where the first hater is saying, I don't know enough to teach a course. And I would simply ask, what do you wish you knew three years ago? And you can teach that. And you may teach it better than the expert because you don't suffer from experts curse and you don't have these baked in assumptions of what your students already know because it's fresh in your mind. Another strategy is to teach as you learn. This is what Tim Ferriss does. This is what Shane Parrish does. This is what I'm doing right now. Another hater is saying that most people don't finish courses, and the same is true of books and other form factors. Cohort-based courses help out with this in terms of accountability. If you take a self-paced course and you combine that with the community, this can start to shore up and increase some of those completion rates. Another hater is saying that education should be free, and it is. A lot of it is free. You can simply get after it, and quality and cost aren't necessarily correlated as we're talking about online courses, back to Free Code Camp, back to Khan Academy, but you'll still have to pay attention. Just a dad joke for Jeremy and KP. Another hater is saying that course revenue is spiky, and we talked about this earlier, but a few ways around this is wrapping the course in a membership model where this becomes easier to do as you add a community. You could also version the course, and relaunching gives you an excuse to talk about the new additions and the revisions and the improvements that you made. 
And you could also build a value ladder where you're mixing different business models and each business model will carry a different property. All of the business models won't have these unpredictable sales. Cohort-based courses, they actually embrace this spikiness with open and closed windows where you can't simply opt into a cohort-based course at any time, so you're gonna join the wait list. There's also a case of using side doors where Rob Hope does a great job at this with landing page hot tips where he has a 100-day email drip campaign. He also has a podcast, an affiliate program, a tweet storm, and he does podcast interviews and he just relaunched with improvements. And all of these things are occasions and ways to smooth out that spikiness in sales even though he doesn't have a subscription model. Another hater is saying that these courses are just money grabs and bad intentions are to be found in any market. If we wanna be more constructive about this, we could talk about how to avoid it where time is smarter than we are. You can simply be a late adopter if you're suspicious about a course creator's intentions. The chicken always comes home to roost, and you can see how this person's reputation plays out over time. Another shortcut, if you don't want to wait, is to look for reviews in unmoderated environments to see how people are talking that aren't incentivized to talk positively. Perhaps they are not an affiliate of this course creator. On to some related reports where the first related report is around pre-sales, where we can talk about reducing market risk, trusting wallets over words, audience first products, building this goodwill, providing value for free and starting to build your top of funnel, paid communities where we talked about combining courses with communities and how they complement each other and how you can start to get this accountability and increase completion rates without the marginal costs that come with the cohort based course. We also have to talk about personal brands where there's a report on that. And most courses still center around these personal brands. Although a student and an instructor may have never met before, there's still this bond and this connection there. Another related report is million dollar one person businesses where as an instructor, you're in a highly leveraged position and tools are adding more leverage to that where you no longer have to be a developer to launch a community, to launch a course, to build an interactive course even. Another related report is around digital products where courses are a subset of digital products. Also productized services where cohort-based courses are a subset of productized services, the very last report that we talked about. Also looking at gamification, where we've talked about these interactive adaptive platforms that are using gamification to help retention. We also have to talk about virtual events where the connection between cohort-based courses and virtual events, that's obvious, but also looking at self-paced courses where they still may have office hours and AMAs that they do, and there can be lessons that you can pick up from looking at the virtual events report. The next few are around an acquisition where we can talk about marketing funnels, where you're building these side doors back to the conversation around Rob Hope. We can also look at lead generation where this tends to apply to higher ticket sales, which cohort-based courses fall in that category where they can easily reach into the thousands there. We could also talk about internet-based challenges as we talk about these capstone projects and courses like Launch MBA centered around this concept of 12 startups in 12 months. And last but not least, looking at referral programs where we talked about affiliates and you're only paying when you're making sales and when you're not making sales, you're still capturing mindshare and perhaps getting people onto your email list for an eventual sale. This wraps it up for online courses. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to what you think. Thanks.